Welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee and or occasional cocktails and wine and talking about anything and everything. We may use explicit language and will almost certainly drop F-bombs, but this is not the point of this podcast or the drive of the content. So on a general scale of life, consider us a PG-13. There will be rants. There will be raves. There will be occasional reading. There will be conflicting creative advice driven by at least three utterly disparate points of view. Your hosts through this venture, adventure are Chaz Brinchley, John Schmidt, and me, Jeannie Warner. Episode one, Origin Myths. Gentlemen, let's talk about where we've all come from. In a literal coffee club way, our usual haunt is the bean scene on Murphy Street in Sunnyvale, California. I, I love that place. Kenny's the owner. He's always up for strange things going on. John, didn't you have a belly dance troupe thing there once? Uh, belly dance has occurred there. We've had readings there. He's good for that. Uh, that is dance essence, and uh, they'll be back. But uh, Kenny wants to have a community. As a matter of fact, though, my favorite part of the bean scene is that it's written into one of your stories. But that's another tale for another time. <laughs> it, it's actually in a couple. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I, I like the our local art on the wall. People, Sometimes. you can yeah, you can buy it. Sometimes, like the baby without a mouth was a little oh, creepy. Oh. Not judging, but we all try not to talk about it. And Chaz just made the avert evil sign in front of him. <laughs> you couldn't see it, but it was very averting of evil. Uh, the back wall near the bathroom, bulletin board for anything in art, music. It's on a street with three coffee shops and two more within a two block radius. And coffee shops get a following. And it's based on quality of coffee combined with ambiance, baristas. Plus, of, plus of course, the mayor. I mean, we plus go to the, the We coffee. get the mayor. Oh, we yes. <laughs> um, I, was, I, was, I was cycling home from a coffee club um, a couple of weeks ago, and a voice hailed me, Chaz! And I looked over, and it was Richard. And he was sitting outside a different coffee shop. Oh, that's just wrong. It was so wrong. The nice thing about being a writer drinking coffee in a coffee shop is that you can collect random people with different viewpoints who are lovely in their own way. And Richard is one of those people, and we will talk more about him later, I'm sure. I'm fairly sure we will, yes. <laughs> but yes, Larry is went from being the vice mayor. I want to be a vice mayor, by the way. So if anybody's I have, listening... I have, a, I have a badge that says vice prefect. Oh, magnificent. Thank you. I, a vice mayor, but now is the mayor, and he does his office hours from a coffee shop. From um, our coffee shop. I read that right a, next to our sofa. It is ours. It is. I've read that a lot of writers work from coffee houses. I, I mean, I went looking for a name for this podcast, and I ran into a lot of coffee sources and a lot of drinking references on the camera. <laughs> like uh, Charlie Jane Anders has a Writers with Drink show in she San does. Francisco. Uh, it's monthly. You should all go totally look it up. And I needed to find a name that didn't step on her toes or ideas, but... <laughs> Uh, if there's going to be any dancing, you know, including belly dancing on this radio, it's radio, so you can't see us, as it were, in podcast. We should invite Charlie up, though. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, she'd be a great guest. Yeah. Um. So this one, John was the most hesitant at first, saying... Reticent. Gen Am I really a writer? I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. I write bad poetry. I write 
MC words because I have a big voice. I write horrible theater introductions for belly dance of all things. <laughs> I can I can look at a person and give them an intro which will get them on the stage. Is that really writing? I I, I say absolutely it is. It's it's performance art of a different way. It's writing words, and whether you're writing words very quickly to say in your head, or as I've seen you write poetry for people on the spot and then turn around, write it in beautiful calligraphy and hand it to them, and people are utterly delighted with their gift. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't but, it? You know, I'm sitting in a room here drinking with a member of the uh, Science Fiction Writers of America, which Two. is... Two. Well, Two and... Members. And an award-winning writer in so many forms, I can't know them all. It's true. I can't you even name all his nom de plume because <laughs> I don't know them all. And I can go into my local bookstore. And when I sit on the couch, too, there are other writers there. It's fascinating. And that's another thing you highlight. There are so many different kinds and styles of writing, not just poetry and books, but publishing via Amazon, writing and publishing blogs, um, writers coming from illustrators, writers coming from long writing traditions and winning awards. Uh, at some point, I want to discuss the books of genies I love and the writings of Chaz that I love and also the writings of Chaz that I hate because <laughs> it's too good and it affects me too much. This yeah. was like when I think you, you should read John Dies at the End and you came back. And I can't read John Dies <laughs> at the End. You evil person. <laughs> David Wong, if you ever listen to this, I think your book is awesome. It's totally awesome, but I can't read it because I, I can't sleep. It was him and his brother, basically, all in one story. Spiders. This book is full of spiders. Exactly. But Chaz, you've been at mm. this the longest in terms of being professional, you know, gave up your day job. To... I've never had a day job. Oh, you never had a day job? Uh, never had a day so job. So your origin is, you decided to become a writer. Mythic origins. Tell us your mythic origins. Chaz Brenchley, everyone. Mythic <laughs> origins here. So I was, I mean, I was always going to be a writer. I remember um, when I was, I mean, I don't, I don't remember learning to read. My big sister taught me before I went to school. Um, but I remember when I was about five, suddenly understanding that these lovely things called books were written by people and it was a job and you were allowed to do it. And ever since then, it's, it's been number one on my list of jobs. Um, and, and I went through school reluctantly and I went to university because, and then I decided university was just like big school and I didn't like that. Um, so I left. And, and obviously I needed some sort of income, so I thought I'd get out. Um, now is the time to become a writer. And, and um, I, I remember having a very serious think with myself um, and deciding that I wasn't at all proud about what I wrote if I could just find something that people would pay me for. And my kid sister at the time, she was 15 and reading teenage romance magazines. And I picked one up and looked at it and thought, well, for God's sake, I can write for that. I, I have you a friend. I just had a story of that. I have a friend who also plays music that says musicians will play anything. His his Latin was going to be Latin motto was I am a horror musician. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> just getting paid to do yes. it. Yeah, well, go right for money. Um, yeah, so so um, so I went upstairs to my little portable typewriter and I wrote a a teenage romance story, and I sent it off. And bless them, they bought it. Thirty-six pounds, pounds sterling, that is. Wow! In 1977, which is what 42 years ago. 
42 years ago next month, as it happens. I'm coming up on my anniversary. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and ever since then, it's been the only way I earn my living. And you have multiple... How does, how does the idea of multiple names come from? I mean... <laughs> First um, time I ran into it, it was like in two ones where like Carolyn Keene is written by a bunch and Frank Dixon is yeah, a bunch no, 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 of writers. No, no, no. That's, and, that's but, a different thing. That's different. Um, but no, I mean, for me, I mean, there have, there have, there have always been um, people who wrote, quote, serious novels under one name and um, less serious novels under another. Um, uh, Malcolm, I'm going to forget, I'm going to forget their name. J.I.M. Stewart. Um, serious Scottish novelist, also published um, crime fiction under another name, which was Innes, um, somebody Innes, I forget. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, look, we'll we'll look it up and yeah. put the links in later, just yeah, so yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a well-established protocol. Um, but it wasn't like that for me, because I, I mean, I grew up reading science fiction, and mm, the the people I liked best were those who would write science fiction and fantasy and the occasional crime novel. And if you're Ted Sturgeon, you wrote westerns as well. And Sturgeon wrote westerns? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I've got to go read those. Yes. Oh, moving on. Um, and, and they did it all under one name. And that's what I wanted. That was my thing. I wanted to be somebody who could do anything. Um, John all, Steinbeck, Grapes of Wrath, and King Arthur and his noble knights. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, only then, the realities of publishing in the 80s and 90s totally mitigated against this. Um, do you want to pause it while noise comes in? Okay, fine. Um, People might come in and out. It's, yeah. it's a podcast. Um, so, yeah, the, I, the, the, the book-selling industry changed the public publishing industry through the 1980s um and one of the one of the impacts of that was that it became very hard to sell different things under the same name um coupled with that it became very hard to sell anything at all if your name had um, associations? Associations, right. Mm. Um, I was trying to pitch a, a new series in the mid-90s, and the publishers loved it. And the first thing they did was go and talk to the major booksellers in the UK. And the major booksellers in the UK said, Chas, eventually, well, it's good books that don't sell. Oh. And you can't get over that. You know, they won't stock it because they don't believe they can sell it. Um, so all my pseudonyms, I think, have been an attempt to escape from the bondage of the name before. Okay. Well, so that's Ben McCallan. That was, I read your Desdemona under, yeah, and Pandemonium, which, holy crap, was anybody, I mean, not to derail this here, but those are totally the British version of American Gods. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, you know, <laughs> Move I'm, over, Neil. Yeah, actually have a different, you know, franchises. Uh, I actually saw them more as deeper Flint, uh, Charles, uh, Charles, Delint. Charles Delint. Yeah, yeah. Well, Char true, Charlie, true urban yeah. fantasy and the bones underneath the structures we we have built on this ancient land. Although he's actually in an ancient land. 
it made more sense and, and evoked deeper archetypes. So yeah, I can see the American God's point, but he was he was back to the originals in those stories. Yeah. Maybe. You should read them yourself and find do, out. Do they have a world's biggest ball of twine sort of thing in England? Is that like a sideshow attraction <laughs> at all over there? Um, I don't think we have that one. Okay. Or um, biggest well, gopher. Biggest... They've got the Cheddar Gorge. We do have the Cheddar Gorge. What's it's the cheddar not full of cheese. Damn it. What the hell? I know. It's, it's, it's their <laughs> version of the big ditch in America, which of course is the Colorado River's Grand Canyon. But... You know, for things British, I, I just go and ask Merle on Twitter, the Museum of English Rural Life, which will give you all sorts of interesting facts, especially about chickens. Right. <laughs> John, for those for those not in the way, John has had uh, experimental dances with chickens that uh, have turned into a lot of stories. And... Those were not in any way experimental dances. Those were experimental chickens. <laughs> yes, I, and and other folks, chickens are chickens are an ephemeral pet at best. <laughs> They're a uh, I'm yes. not allowed chickens. You're not allowed. There's a lot of places don't have chickens. I had a friend who had chickens, but it turned out she respected the privacy, so it turned out Queenie was a rooster. <laughs> and apparently the the erring in the morning got her yes. reported to the police yes. and other things. So Animal control, et cetera, et cetera. I just, yeah. So what are, do you, do you use any, I mean... John, you're declaring yourself not. Do you have you read any books about how to write or where to write? Because there's about a gazillion out there. I've held writers groups. Yeah. You know, I, I there are so many. the The real key to writing is writing. The real key to art is the performance of the art. You can study in a museum the, all the pictures you want. They'll never be good until you paint. You can write. You can, uh, and I can name. A dozen books, but I think actually that should be a separate issue rather than origin. Yeah. But I'm going to name, you know, Stephen King gets you kind of into the nitty gritty of a man who had to write. Uh, Agatha Christie's books themselves point how she wrote books. Yeah. Uh, Ursula Le Guin has a wonderful book called Steering the Craft of Writer's Exercises that we used to meet in coffee houses and practice. Until we discovered that one of our members was a mansplainer and wouldn't shut up. And, well, <laughs> oh, that never happens. <laughs> well, no. But the thing is, a group of writers will then quietly fade into other coffee yeah. houses where yeah. they can write without being talked at. And I, I have a different origin story of that one. That I, I come from Mushland. Uh, for those of you not aware, mushes, multi-user shared hallucinations are login, text-driven storytelling role-playing. So rather than going in and having uh, a lot of stats and characters and bits here and there, what you end up having is you have a room. So I might say, Jeannie sat down in front of the, you know, in front of the microphone and plopped herself down and dropped her books with a resounding thud to grant attention and just raised her hands. And, and basically I wrote scenes and each one of them was like a little paragraph in a scene. And then anybody else who happened to be in, in the way of like IRC, and I think some of them started on IRC, could say, John crossed his arms and leaned back and said, you look like you had a long day, not I, with a dismissive sniff. And basically, the better you were, the more you got into the story. And there's a lot of people who started this way. I mean, I was on a place called The Dreaming 2. Uh, one of my favorite people to role play with, which is to write stories with, um, he was a vampire, a Malkavian, so crazy, vampire who thought he was cured. He ran a club in Paris called um, L'Innocence Brisée, 
And his real name behind that is Jim Butcher. I've heard of him. Yeah, I heard of him too. He, you know, crazy guy. And he, there was this beautiful scene that we had with my mortal plus and his vampire in the end. He's like, God, that was great. And uh, thank you. This has been my swan song. I want to go make a living writing so I can't afford to spend four hours of my life here online with you. Every day. Every day. And that was also Alexander Voynov out there played uh, Shannon. Shannon McGuire recently admitted that she did a little, dabbled in a little mushing. Sean. Sean. So sorry, Sean. Please forgive me. <laughs> and so, uh, my question to you, since that was your origin, do you still do that? What um, has replaced Mud's mushes? Well, <laughs> funnily enough, there was something called Poddington on Slossop that I ran into. <laughs> Poddington on Slossop? If, if none of you have ever seen the manners letters from Sir Charles Grandiose, those also sprang out of the Poddington Project. So the Poddington Project oh, we're was... we need links on these. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I and the compendium of manners cars alone, you'll want printed up to carry <laughs> them around with you. But Poddington Project was basically a lot of writers that had been mushing, you know, and so instead of doing it live, they just started telling unique stories of a character in the town of Poddington on Slossop, which is where I started with Three Oaks on Weir. You did, and I wrote, I think, two scenes You did, you did, and a few other people did too, and the problem was nobody else wanted to do it quite as enthusiastically as I did. My little <laughs> tail was sitting here wagging like crazy, like, I want to well, do this, so I, I think, that's, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe some of the people who might hear this if any ever do would and i think one of the things that that highlights as a format is that we never the world is changing we never had an interactivity on that that could now be had so that might be something to look at in a later exactly podcast well, is to bring that world back because i could see it as a series of do that an exquisite corpse on a web page. And I cheated because that's actually my, I, I've written a couple of thriller novels that I'm still farming out, out there, but uh, the uh, fantasy novel that I have, the sort of urban fantasy, historic fantasy, what do you call it if it's set in 1901? Historic, historic fantasy. fantasy. Historic fantasy novel is set historic urban in Three Oaks on Weir and uses a snippet of something I wrote there and has gone out because... I loved the setting. There were so many interesting things that I discovered. I rediscovered the world of 1901, you know, Britain, which was great. For instance, here's one. Hold yourselves, guys. Did you understand the great beer poisoning? I know that. No. <laughs> Arsenic. Yes. Apparently, there's all of the big major bottlers bought the cheapest of hops that were dried on the cheapest of Coke which had arsenic in it. And so as the coke burned, the arsenic got into the hops, which was then brewed and misdiagnosed for some time as alco alcoholic nephropathy and other neurotic disorders. And you drink too much. And they didn't realize until thousands had died that it was beer. And it was some of it was that the tide houses attached to the breweries. And, oh my God, more history to, to find out. And the minute you start that, there's such a rabbit hole you can go down of... of so, yeah, I loved Three Oaks. I love the Three Oaks Project. If anybody says, hey, I want to write in Three Oaks, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's out there on Google sites still somewhere. We can reset it up as need be. But, yeah, but going back to what you were saying, the first thing was Chaz's wife dragged me to her writing group, which was with amazing people, the flying cars headed by uh, Catherine Carr of the Devery series, of course, mm -hmm. and... Um, Madeline Robbins, Robbins yes, mm -hmm. of course, uh, Nancy Jane Moore, Cliff Winnig, Gary Kirchhoff, and, yep. and 
Barry Kirchhoff. Barry. See, I'm going to say these all wrong when I'm not actually reading them in front of me. But And their big thing was finishing something. They said, finish things, bring them to the group, and we'll all have a go. Okay, so your origin story is actually a finishing story. <laughs> yeah. Unlike Chaz's, which our recent origin story for Chaz is a finishing school. Yes. Except for it's not a finishing school, it's a crater school. And that's what his Patreon's about. Exactly. Well, I'm, I met Chaz because of his wife and dragging me into the, all this, and naturally we're all a bit SCA folks over here. John, John doesn't even remember when we first met. Well, I was drunk. <laughs> no, I was not drunk. I was probably hungover. What can I say? But, moving on from that origin, so you have always wanted to be a writer, Chaz. Yes. And you have always written... Because if you start in muds, mushes, and mucks, which you started, of course... And anyone who muds or mushes does yes. a, starts a little bit with the role play. And once you start on role play, you realize you write it down. And how many people out there ever geeks spent hours trying to figure out their characters' origin stories? Which, that what do you think writing is, people? So I, I charge you that many more people are writers than really, really, really think they are. That is, that is blatantly true. Um, the thing that's always puzzled me is that they're happy to stay there and, and not go out and, you know, sell this stuff, make it into actual stories and um, publish it. Well, when I, when I decided... It's not so easy these days. Oh, is it so easy these days? It seems <laughs> impossibly hard to me. Well, here's a topic of discussion that we have to cover then. Well, it is. I mean, not possibly now. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm writing down all the emails things. I'm writing these for future episodes yeah, yeah, of how totally. to how to get your stuff published. And the biggest one that I think we can all agree on, we'll get more on this later, is open your arms wide and embrace criticism. <laughs> because when you show your story to your mom, your mom's going to say, oh, my God, that's the best yeah, thing yeah, ever yeah, written. Yeah, but that's not about getting published. That's about <laughs> getting good. That's true. That's true. So A lot that, of people don't worry with that stuff. And, and that's <sighs> now we have two later topics how to, get, <laughs> how to get published how did one i'm going to also propose is how to find where in the wide world of writing you're comfortable and get sure. published there yeah totally. because i have actually in minor ways published poetry mm -hmm. but that's just because i like poetry and my friend up in seattle amber nelson is a widely known in poetry circle she's amazing one of my she, best friends in Newcastle is, I insist, the leading poet of his generation. All right, I'm going to run it by you then. Amber told me a secret that all modern poetry has rain and <laughs> pavement and the word shit in it somewhere. That's because she lives in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed to say... Not, that pretty much covers Sean's work as well. Okay, yeah. so, well so modern... That's Newcastle and Seattle heard from. Okay. Yep. I don't know about San Jose. I don't think we have as much rain. Maybe a little more shit. Well, and of course, there's always Paris, the rainy city full of dogs. I oh my, I think you're right. Yeah, I know. Once you get into that, it's like all modern poetry has those three elements in it somewhere. So you should all go out there and try to write a modern poem. For instance, say even if it's a haiku, I walked the pavement. Yeah, I I keep trying to give up poetry. Are you I, keep I, trying to give up poetry? Yes. I uh, writing it or reading it. Writing. I, I I have called myself an ex-poet for ooh, more than half my life. Um, That's a long time to be giving something up. That's as often as I've given up coffee. Right. Yeah. 
It, it, it doesn't it, always is, take. Is there, an, um, is there a Poets Anonymous? <laughs> there needs to be. I mean, Hi, yes. my name is John. Hi, my name is John. Hello, Hi, John. John. <laughs> <laughs> I like to write Sestinas. Oh, John. Jeannie, so Jeannie, poetry doesn't have to rhyme, you know. <laughs> it's just something else when it does. No, but the thing is, I mean, when I was when I was a baby writer, I was I mean I said I wanted to do everything, and that included all the forms. I wanted to be a poet and a novelist and a short story writer and da-da-da. Um and I was probably putting half my creative energy into the poetry. And and I enjoyed it. And occasionally I got a poem published and it wasn't till I was in my mid-twenties that I accepted the fact that I was never going to be more than a second-rate poet. Here's an interesting uh, question. You guys can fire at me. Uh, when you're writing a story, it seems that you're writing for an audience of someone else. When you're writing poetry, are you kind of writing it for yourself? Are you the audience? No, not for me. But I write poems specifically most often for other people. Right. I write you write expressly for other people. Thank you, expressly. Yeah. And if not for other people, um, not if not directed at it, not a premium poem directed at it, but this is, but the one poem of Chaz's I remember very clearly seems to speak directly to me, but I don't think I was anywhere near the focus of it. It's your poem about Petrichor. Ah, yes. You see, this is, this is, this is rather my point, is that I cannot... I can't entirely subsume that element to myself. Despite, I mean, I have not written poetry for publication since I was in the mid-twenties. Um, but there was... I, I mean, I genuinely... I almost genuinely didn't write a poem for 20 years. Um, there was one... I broke down once I, when I bought my first house. I wrote a poem about that. But I didn't show it to anybody. Um, and then... Two of my closest, bestest friends were getting married, and and mm -hmm. um, Helen said, "Chaz, Chaz, will you be my best man?" And I said, "Yes." What are my duties? And she said, "You don't have to do anything, except I want you to read something at the ceremony, and it's going to be a short ceremony. So, so find a poem, and and read that." And um, Helen and Helen and Mark had met on an eclipse-chasing holiday, which is a whole other story, and we won't go there. Um, but because they'd been drawn together by eclipses, I wanted to find a poem about an eclipse that had sort of some kind safer of... safer than chasing, you know, typhoons or yes. cyclones. Or... Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I couldn't find one. Nobody had written a romantic poem about eclipses. Not in English. Not in English. So I did. Only I didn't want them to... Because, yeah, I, the one thing about their wedding day is that it really wasn't about me. So I lied to them. I said, I found this poem. <laughs> um, it's by some name that I made up, which I may yet remember. Um, and, and, um, and, and I read it as by that other person. And they loved it so much they had it copied and printed and framed and, and it hangs in their bathroom totally counts as published um and 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 i did eventually i mean about 10 years later i confess that i had actually written it i i thought they would have figured that out Aww. and they hadn't why um, would they distrust you who brought them such beauty well 
da, da, da. Um, There's also such a fuck ton of poetry out there. I mean, of the tens of thousands and millions of poems, could could be anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, poetry. I, I used to think poetry was the gateway drug, and then short stories, and then you find out your world building. But I, 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 it doesn't work that way for everyone. It then. doesn't work that way for everyone. Um, yeah. That's more or less the way it went for me. You know, we we wrote short stories at school, and novels were something I aspired to. And never, ever finished. I never finished a novel until I had a contract. Um, That's just dirty. <laughs> and I'm jealous as hell. <laughs> I know someone who is writing uh, 5,000 word fragments based on writing prompts from YouTube. Right. Because he got into role playing on the Dungeons and Dragons dice level of role playing. Yeah. And now he is, he's, he's turning... Uh, Easily 2,000 words a week. He's turning out one of these every three weeks or so. And that's that's kind of amazing to me because that's a lot of words to me. Done. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're, we're written towards the the bottom of the half hour here. So uh, we're going to put some links together of a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, including totally pimping out our friends at every opportunity with the amazing things that they do. Um, we're going to put it on our website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com, or you can find Writers Drinking Coffee on Facebook if you like. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, which is a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by your hosts here. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre McGaffey's Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. We want to leave you with just a, a note about writing or books at the end of every episode, and remember this year or this year tagline as the philosopher uh, comedian Mark said outside of a dog and book is man's best friend inside of a dog it's too dark to read <laughs>